0: Oh Lord, we are hungry for your word. Fill us with your spirit. Open our hearts and minds to the message you have for us today. In Christ's name, amen. Today we conclude our series of seven sermons on the book of Hebrews. Back in early October, Homecoming Sunday, you remember, I told you that the book of Hebrews is essentially a teaching sermon that was that was preached to a church and to church members whose batteries were running low and who, people who were in need of a, of a recharge. Kind of like my Fitbit tells me every once in a while. Battery low, recharge as soon as possible. Well, in fact, in the fifth chapter, he actually said to these folks, what they needed was somebody to teach you an introduction to the basics about God's message. The previous three chapters from where we start, on the we're going to read from the 10th chapter today. The previous three chapters focused on Jesus as the greatest high priest who has accomplished a permanent pardon for sin. And in the first part of our reading today, kind of summarizes that message. And then, then they give an answer to the question I ask y'all after the prayer of confession each week. In response to this gift of God's grace, how then shall we live? We'll see what their answer is. So, listen now for God's word for us in the 10th chapter of Hebrews. We'll start at the 11th verse. And every priest stands day after day in his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering, for he who has promised it is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks 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 be be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Are you on the path of the new and living way. Our Hebrews passage begins by stating again that core message of the book, Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, a single offering he's perfected for all time. Those who are sanctified, remember sanctified means being made holy. You are saints not cause you are perfect people and have worked miracles and whatever. You are saints because God is making you holy. Then the saving work of Jesus is said to fulfill the prophecy of a new covenant that we read about in the 33rd chapter of Jeremiah. This is the covenant uh, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another, say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. You and I, we have been saved and sanctified. We have been made holy, not by anything you or I have ever done or will ever do, but by the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you and me. This unmerited, unearned gift is called grace. Now the last six verses of our reading, starting in 19, suggest four characteristics of holy living that I think answer that familiar question in response to this gift of God's grace. How then shall we live? With confidence, with hope, in community, and with urgency. The 19th and 20th verses tell us that we have confidence to stand the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened up for us. And the 22nd verse tells us that we can approach God not burdened with fear and trembling, not with our knees knocking and shaking in our boots, not full of guilt over all the things we should have done and didn't, and all, or for that matter, guilt over all the things we should not have done and did them anyway, but with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Hearts sprinkled clean, washed clean from an evil conscience. Bodies washed with pure water. Some people see Christians as dour, joyless people, burdened with crippling guilt that just saps life all, of all its enjoyment. But the the preacher who wrote Hebrews says that believers who are baptized and forgiven, if we're baptized and forgiven, we can live with confidence. Confidence and, the second thing was hope. The 23rd verse urges us to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he is, who has is promised it is faithful. Our hope is not in... It's not some sort of cockeyed optimism. It's not the high hope that the group called Panic at the Disco sang about earlier this year. Don't worry, I'm not gonna sing it, but it's, (laughs) had to have high, high hopes for a living, shooting for the stars when I couldn't make a killing, didn't have a dime, but I always had a vision, always had a high, high hopes. It's not that. And our hope is not the high hopes that <clears throat> Frank Sinatra sang about in 1959. You remember old Blue Eyes sang a song that had told tales of animals who were trying to accomplish things that seemed impossible, and yet they were successful thanks to their positive attitude. For example, you remember that little, uh, little ant with high hopes he could move a rubber tree by himself? You know, oops, there goes another rubber tree plant. <laughs> well, no, as the preacher and professor uh, Jane Fahey has written, Christian hope is rooted not in human effort, but solely in the faithfulness of God. We are able to hold fast because the one who's promised it is faithful. In other words, our hope is based on nothing less than Jesus Christ. So confidence hope, and community. We are not called to be hermits. There are times of quiet solitude and time for personal devotion. Those are important. Well, you know why. You look at the example of Jesus. The gospels speak often of Jesus going off by himself to pray, and so should we as well. But Hebrews reminds us We're called to be Christians in community. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, provoking each other to love and good deeds. There's a fellow named Nicholas Wade, who's written a book called The Faith Instinct. It's a while ago, I got this from Borders, and Borders is no more. The Faith Instinct. Well, in one chapter he wrote There is no church of one. Church is community. In fact, the very word religion comes from a Latin root that means bind. That legio has to do with binding. As the church, we are bound to God and we're bound to one another. And that's the blessed tie that binds that we sing about at the end of each service here at Perea. But notice that the writer of Hebrews does not say that this time is just to make you feel good and feel connected with the church family. It's to stir us up, to provoke us to good deeds, to love. Well, how do you do that? One way is to set a good example. When someone does something thoughtful, something that encourages you, Aren't you inspired to be that kind of blessing to other people too? When someone thanks you for doing something, aren't you moved to notice things that they and other people do that you're thankful for too and to express that thanks as well? In my work as a psychologist, there were a number of times that clients would uh, tell me that they just, they felt like they did a lot of good things and they just got ignored. They got taken for granted. They didn't get any credit for anything they did good. Well, not just clients. I had a bunch of co-workers that had that complaint too, <laughs> working for the state. Well, what I did is I encouraged them to look for things that other people did and thank them. Well, there were a lot of people kind of skeptical about that plan because it seemed kind of backwards. You see, they... They wanted to receive praise and thanks. They didn't want to give it. (laughs) But the ones who tried it often told me that not only did they get some return thanks where people thanked them and said things that made them feel good, they found that they enjoyed making other people feel appreciated. It's a wonderful thing to have someone say to you, you have made my day. And so often, a little thing will do that. Well, the fourth thing was urgency. We're to provoke one another to love and good deeds, to meet together and encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That is, we're to live with a sense of urgency. Well, perhaps you've heard the story of the the devil meeting with three interns, All three of these interns, they were eager to impress the boss. So each of them came up with a plan to try to fool, to trick human beings. Come to this, come to the dark side, you know. So the first one said, let's tell them there's no God. But Satan said, no, no, that won't work. Who can try to count the stars in the night or be present at a baby's birth or look into the eyes of someone they love? Or hear their grandchildren laugh and not believe there's a God. That won't work. Next. So the next turn said, let's tell them there's no devil. No, that won't work either, Satan said. All they've got to do is pay attention to the evil in the world. From senseless mass shootings to child abuse to air and water pollution for profit to human trafficking to endless wars not to mention the ugly things you read on the internet, (laughs) who can see all the horrible things people do to each other and not believe there's a powerful force of evil, whatever they decide to call me. So the third intern says, well, I have a plan. Let's tell them there is no hurry. And the devil said, you're promoted. That is brilliant. You see, each and every one of us has an appointment with our maker, a time when we just might have some questions to answer. Not a single one of us is guaranteed tomorrow, but for that matter, we're not guaranteed the rest of today either. So we need to live with a sense of urgency. We need to live with... Hebrews called the new and living way that comes with confidence and hope and community and urgency. So now the question is, what are you gonna do in response? Are you going to accept that gift of grace? You know, with gratitude following after the Lord Jesus Christ who calls us to love God with heart and soul and mind and strength and our neighbors as ourselves. You see, Jesus Christ is invited you and me, to a new and living way. Will you follow him? Thanks be to God. Not just for the week of the Thanksgiving holiday, but every day count your blessings and be thankful to the God who made all that is, to the God who knows you by name, knows all about you and loves you anyway. Be thankful for Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again so that we might have eternal life. And be thankful for the Holy Spirit who comforts us when we face problems that look impossible to us and reminds us that nothing is impossible with God. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and give you peace. Amen.